Blue Sky Ranch, um, many of you know what it is. We've been hanging around a little while here. We're, we're truly appreciative of the support we receive here from this church and the leadership of this church. Uh, why, why is it Blue Sky Ranch? I think I should address that because that sounds weird. Um, <clears throat> why do you call it Blue Sky Ranch? Because if you're in business, Blue Sky is not a great deal. That's not a lot to hold on to in business of Blue Sky. Worthless. But Blue Sky comes from when we came to this piece of property over where we're at, we, we needed to name it and uh, give it a name. And we knew God wanted to use it for something. At that time, we did not know what that was going to be. We were praying hard because we knew there was something and we knew God said, do this. And he provided a way it shouldn't have happened and it did. And so we were talking about naming it and, and I am a genius. And so I said, because when we bought it, it had airplanes on it and a little airstrip. There were like 13 light aircraft out there, those little light sport uh, go-karts with wings. Um, and so <clears throat> I'm in horses, right? And so intellect, we're going to call it hooves and wings. Because, And I drew a little horse flying a, a biplane, and I thought, this is it. And nobody agreed. Nobody. I got my feelings hurt. No, so, but we were driving around, and there was a, a couple with us that had been with us, and they were with us for a season, wonderful people. Um, and we were driving around, and we were talking about, we need, you know, this place needs a name. And this lady said, I think you should call it Blue Sky Ranch. And I said, why? <laughs> and because uh, that's not, that doesn't make sense, right? Um, and she said, well, there's a song that a point of grace sings called Blue Skies. Jesus is my blue skies. She says, you know, this place is going to represent hope for people. And it can be the blue skies. Well, last night we had a big old storm roll in, right? And you know why you got up this morning we're happy there was a blue sky, right? Yes, and it's true. So that's where the name comes from. It's from that song, from that woman, and, uh, and it meant well. The funny part was the pilots were so excited because they thought we named it for them. Because in the pilot world, when you're saying something to somebody, you say blue skies and tailwinds. That's kind of like a salutation, right? And they were like, yeah, and then we closed the airport a year later. And they're like, what? Because <laughs> we're not airplane people. So, but, so we began to pray about what God wanted to happen out there. And I was going, I was a teacher at South High School in Merle, Schaffner was there, and he and I became friends. We have a commonality in our backgrounds, being coaches. We both weren't actively coaching at the time. I was, I was phasing out of coaching. He had been out of coaching a while, and we began to, we were working with kids, at-risk kids, and he began to, you know, what can we do to help these kids? And God brought this property into our life. We began to haul kids out there to the ranch. We did not know what that was going to look like, but God birthed Blue Sky Ranch, and, it, and it's a God thing because it wasn't, I didn't have some big epiphany and go, here's the plan, this is what we're going to do. God birthed it. He birthed it over time and with changing of hearts and with understanding who God is. Um, I truly do have a passion for helping young men. That's That's in me, and I've coached football for 25 years, and I've taught for 35 years. Wow. And the, uh, I, it's what I'm called to do. 
That's what I'm supposed to do. And I know that God has provided then for this to be a ministry. And But my heart is, I want to glorify God. And I think as you think about what you do with who you are, and I'm going to talk about fatherhood this morning. Um, men, not just men, but men specifically, I think, want to be difference makers. We want to make an, we want to have an impact. You want your life to count for something. And you want to glorify God in what you do. And I think men, when we truly accept the role God has given us, we step into being a mentor, an example. And it's not what you do, it's who you are. And so that is important to understand. So as we get going this morning, I want to read 2 Corinthians 6, 18 to you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And 1 John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. Do you know who you are? Have you ever wondered, who am I? Why do I exist? Why am I here? It is important to know that. It's called identity. Jesus, when he was baptized, was identified from heaven. God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He identified him. Did you know that fathers are the most significant formers of identification in a child's life, of the formation of identity? Fathers have the greatest impact on that identity. It does not negate moms. Speak to that right away. I have a great mom. I love my mom. Our family would be a wreck without my wife. But, but fathers, fatherhood started with God the Father. He transferred that to Adam. And there is a role that must be taken up, a responsibility that must be accepted. And identification, being identified, comes from your father. Now, we work with boys that don't have fathers. And it is obvious what happens when you do not know who you are. Think about why Jesus says that you're no longer a slave to fear because you are a child of God, identified. There is a juxtaposition here, knowing who I am, being fearful of everything around me, right? So young men who don't know who they are, people who don't know who they are, are afraid. God is love, and perfect love cast out all fear. Fathers are significant in bringing identity to children, children into who they are, but we as believers in Christ must understand, I am a child of God. I'm identified. God has identified me. See what great love the Father has, that we are called children of God. That is important to know who you are, and it is significant that your identity impacts your behavior. So why would a young person be spinning off the rails who didn't have a father? Because when you don't know who you are, the lack of identity impacts your behavior. When you're a Christian who only prayed a prayer of salvation but has never moved into the relationship of child to father, you are struggling in your following of Christ. Because you need that relationship. God is your father. 
Now, I was blessed. I have a great father. He's a really good guy. I was blessed. Mom and dad, good people, raised in a good home. I did not suffer any trauma as a child, so there's no testimony there of that. What I do know is that my father showed me the father, and that was important because the example that was given to me was to understand that I desperately need salvation, that my parents' faith is not my faith. My brother's faith is not my faith. That if I don't find faith in Jesus Christ, then I am desperately without hope. I knew that. So as a young man, I became a Christian when I was nine, and I knew what I wanted. I mean, I knew I wanted to be a follower of Christ. Now, I did not know what that entailed. Obviously, there was growing to come. But I was identified early on. I knew that I had a heavenly father. Well, you know, that... That matters in understanding why I exist. So, I, and I've shared this several times, so don't be too bored. But I, I grew up a stutterer, a really bad, severe stutterer. Um, and there were other things. I was a mama's boy. I was the baby of the family. So there were things that did not look overly successful for me going on. Right? I have two older brothers, very successful, super smart, president of this, president of this. You know, they, they were really good. And... I followed along, kind of in that slower lane of, yeah, I'm getting by, mom loves me. Um, but <laughs> the truth was is that I didn't think I had a lot of value because I saw in myself this inability to speak valued me as less. And I remember at age 16, my brothers had gone to college, I'm at home, and I'm, I'm really thinking about why in the world do I even exist? Like, there's not a lot here, God. I'm, you Gene Poole got a lot less by me, didn't it, God? I'm sorry. And I'm praying, and I'm talking to God. God, what? It, what I don't want to farm. Like, I feel like I've been left. Like, I'm the farmer? No, I'm not farming. I don't want to farm. It wasn't in me. And at age 16, God spoke to my heart. And I'll tell you, I was in my bedroom. I can tell you what was going on when he said, you're going to be a teacher and a coach. And so I was excited that I knew that. And so I told my parents. Now, think about being a parent of a child who can't talk, really, seriously, can't talk in public hardly at all, and tells you, going to be a teacher and a coach. So you want to be excited for that child, right? But you also are praying, God, really speak clearly to him, please. Right? But you know what? God identified me, and I never doubted it from that day forward. And I went to college dreading going to speech class because I was going to have to talk in front of people. I definitely never wanted to do this, and I fought God hard on doing this stuff. There was no need for that in my life. And, but God knew, and God made a way, and God prepared, and God gave me a tongue when I needed it. And God loves me. I know this, and God gave me identity. And when that happened at age 16, I never doubted that again because life is very hard, right? And so we go along, and we get married, and we have children, and we got a daughter who's deathly ill. And I didn't call my earthly father when that happened. My wife and I got on our knees and we talked to our heavenly father. He is sovereign. He alone can heal. He alone has the power to give, bring peace and joy. And I knew that because I had been identified. I knew he was my father. When our marriage was trashed and we were both headed in opposite direction, we were ready to sign it and walk away from it. And I fell on my knees and I spoke to my heavenly father, and I said, God, heal that. And he did. 
Change me, God, and heal it because he loves me. Man, we have a heavenly father. And if you're a Christian and you don't have that father-child relationship going on, I want to encourage you. Go to God and say, God, show me your heart. Show me your heart. Show me who I am in you, God, and show me your love for me. You will be blown away by who your heavenly father really is. Many of us have not had great earthly fathers. You are not bound to that. God will give you strength to forgive that over time. I believe that. And you are not bound to repeat any of that. You know, being a father is a big deal. Knowing what a father is all about is a big deal. A father is this, defined. A father is a founder, a source, a chief, or a leader. That's what that word represents, right? A father is supposed to be this, a man who has accepted the role and responsibility of transferring the character, person, and purpose of God through him to his offspring. Now, and, and I want to tell you, and this, this for men can come across as judgment because we're like, okay, I jacked that up. Let me just tell you, it's not over till it's over. It's not over till it's over. And God, the moment we pick up our responsibility as men and we accept that role and we begin to live it in obedience, God has this way cool way of revving up influence and changing our children's lives back to our hearts, and he heals that. He is the great, his grace is amazing. And so don't, don't hear this as, well, I had my chance, but that chance is over. So, okay, I can't fix that. No, it's not over till it's over, okay? And so that's what a father is, a man who's accepted the role and responsibility of transferring the character and the person and the purpose of God through him to his offspring. And every child deserves a godly father, but it may not be your biological father. It may be a person who's accepted that role in your life who has stepped along beside you to walk that role. God is good. And if you've had an earthly father that has been a big disappointment, do not think that God doesn't love you to the extent he would send you a person in your life who can bring you along that road and be that father here on earth. Absolutely he loves us that much. And he will do that. I, uh, what we do at the ranch is to bring leadership and a source of, foundation to young men who don't have that in their life. Um, and, and we case that in a program that teaches them things, right? It was cool the other day on thir- Thursday, one of our little freshman boys caught his very first fish. He caught four in a row. And if you're a young man fishing, you know this can't get better. My bait just keeps catching. But the truth is, is what we had taught him was how to cast a pole, how to bait a hook with a worm, and there was product that was way cool at the end of that learning. But what matters is we cared enough to take time to hang in there with him while he was in the tree three or four times, and he lost two or three pieces of bait. And you see what I'm saying is, you know, it's one thing, you can identify a problem, and our nation's identified. If you pay attention, you watch the news, there's, everybody says, we got a fatherless problem. we got a fatherless epidemic. We have children going without fathers. It's true. What are we doing about it? You can identify a lot of things. When do you become a solution to what you've identified? And I think that's important. And I don't think that means Blue Sky Ranch is the answer. We have a role. God has given us a place to minister. But I will tell you as a man, God has put you in a place 
to take up a role and a responsibility to transfer the person and the purpose, the precepts of your Heavenly Father to those around you. He's put somebody in your life who's probably younger than you who needs to know how much their Heavenly Father loves them and how desperately they need their Savior. And that's for all men. I believe God gave that role straight through Adam into the created order that men must pick up that role. Now, here's what happens sometimes as a young man. You get married, you marry a Christian woman, and maybe you think, well, I wasn't, like, I wasn't raised like she was. I, I don't know the Bible the way she knows it. I, I wasn't raised. I don't know how to pray like she prays. That's a lie of the enemy trying to screw up what God's order is. The minute you as a man profess faith in Jesus Christ, and you become obedient to take the role he has given you, the Holy Spirit will teach you. He will bring you to the headship of your home. He will supply you the wisdom to be the spiritual leader of your home, and you will not. It's not about biblical knowledge and finding a verse in the Bible. It is about obedience to your father and him making you the father and the husband that he intends you to be, and he does it. He can do it like that. It's in our obedience to be the father that we're supposed to be because he's put that in us to do that. So what does fatherhood look like? We break it down into uh, seven things here. So a father is a provider. Uh, Matthew 6, 11, you know, he gives us our daily bread, right? Well, that's not just food. Daily bread is physical and spiritual. A father provides. And sometimes we get hung on this as, as men. We get married and we get a wife and kid and we're like, okay, I've got to get a good job. We got to make enough money. I got to put us in a house. We got to have a car or two. We got to have stuff. I got to provide. I had to provide. There's nothing wrong with knowing you have responsibility. It is an error if you think you're the provider. As a follower of Christ, God is your provider. He will equip you to provide sufficiently for your home if you're obedient to Him as a man. You will have the job you need to have, it'll be a job He's created you for. You'll have the income you need. He will supply all of our needs. He says so, right? We will never be without what we need. So being a provider is true. But you are not the provider. God is the provider. And through you, he brings that source of provision to your home. And that is so important. And it's not just physical. It is spiritual. You know, I know that um, that's something that I watched in my father. All my life growing up on the farm, we had breakfast as a big meal every morning. That was the meal. You don't miss it. Six o'clock, be in your chair. But we come through the living room, my dad would be in his chair reading his Bible. I, more times than not, my dad was sitting in his big chair reading his Bible as we came by on the way to the breakfast table. I think he counted heads and then, okay, we can eat now because um, he liked breakfast too, right? And at our home, we had Bible readings around the breakfast table. We did. We had the little magazine booklet with the reading and the scripture and it was a daily. But we just did that. That was part of my mom and my dad's. That was what they decided was a priority that we started our day knowing the Bible is the truth and God loves us. And we did that. Um, uh, It was not always great when it was my turn to do the reading. Everybody was a little annoyed that the time took longer. But that's okay. My mother made them let me read. (laughs) Okay. So... uh, Moms are great, see? That's right. They love us. So um, a man is a provider. He's also a leader, a, a loving leader. Leader at a home is, it can be discipline, but it's not strictly discipline. Without love, discipline is void of any goodness. So discipline is necessary, but loving leadership. 
And do you lead in a way that someone wants to follow you? Because you can call yourself a leader, but if there's nobody behind you, you're fooling yourself. So what does leadership look like in a Christian home? It is sacrifice. It is selflessness. It is showing that you understand that God has given you the strength not to have to look out for yourself all the time, but you can look after others, and God takes care of things. Leading in such a way that your children understand that you're a man who loves God, but they need their Savior. You know, I'm so glad my dad did confess his weaknesses. I mean, he struggled with smoking cigarettes, and he worked with us on that, and I can tell loads of funny stories about that. But he did finally quit smoking, but he saw that as a flaw, right? He struggled with being anxious about the farm all the time and struggling with faith that God will always come through because if you've ever farmed, wow. I told my dad, I might as well go to Vegas. It's the same. It's just the same. I mean, I believe that too, so I don't farm, right? So, but, but leading in a loving way, knowing that I'm showing my children their heavenly father, I am not the answer to their problems. I, I, I truthfully tell you, I call my dad and I love my dad, but I don't call my dad when life gets tough. I get on my knees. And, and my dad, I'll call later. He'll pray for me. But he doesn't have the source of strength that makes life work. He's living in his source of strength that makes life work. And that's important as fathers that we lead by that example. As a father, you're a teacher and you teach truth. Man, do we need that. Fathers, you're a teacher in your, your home, in your environment, and you teach truth. And you never waver from truth. And that starts with the Word of God being your source. And it is so important that we understand that, fathers, we, you teach whether you like it or not. I'll never forget an interview with Charles Barkley been a long time ago, and somebody got on to him because he acted poorly on the basketball court. And somebody said, well, don't you know you're, like, you're setting an example for kids? And he said, I don't want to set an example for kids. Well, you don't have a choice. It is what you are. Men, you're a man. You don't have a choice that your words matter, your actions matter. How you perform is seen and imitated. You're a teacher. So submit yourself to God, and he will make you an amazing teacher for your home and teach truth. As a father, we're protectors. The fear of the, in fear of the Lord, there is a strong confidence. Children will find refuge. So God is our refuge. We run to God when things are tough. Hey, I will tell you, I mean, God is my refuge, and he has shown himself faithful in so many little ways and in big ways. But I know that God cares about every little thing in my life. Every little thing in my life God cares about. I can run to him with all my concerns. I do take seriously the scripture that says, Cast your cares upon me, for I care for you. The word cast means to throw. And I, I, I could not tell you the freedom it is to cast my cares to my Heavenly Father. He takes them. You know, when you were little, you could run to your dad, and he could make you feel safe if you had a good dad. I, my dad, I went to sleep at night all of my young life, listening to my dad's voice through the walls, 
talking to my mom, because you know how that is. If you're married, you know that's when you have that last conversation that probably takes a little longer than what you want it to. Don't dare fall asleep because then, you know, that's bad. So, but, but yeah, you could hear him going, I could hear his voice, and I would go to sleep to that. I knew my dad was in the house. Everything is okay. As a believer in Christ, my father's always in the house. I'm always okay. I can know that without any doubt whatsoever. But as a father, we are a protector. We, we supply a foundation of safety. But as a believer, that is who my father in heaven is. So the, that correlation is direct. For what God has done with fatherhood and what he has equipped men to be is to reflect that. As a father, you're an encourager. Um, this is important, and I struggled with this as a young father because I grew up in an environment of, well, that's really good, but you can do better, uh, which is not wrong. Like, we should always pursue excellence. Like, you should try hard. I grew up in a very sports-oriented home where, you know, you don't bring the second place the trophy home. That's it's not a real trophy. <laughs> that's, that's bad, right? It's sad, right? But it's true that... But I was kind of raised, that's good, but you can do better. But that's not encouraging. And the truth is, is that you're awesome. God looks at us and he says, I love you. While you were a sinner, I died for you. I love you. You're amazing. My righteousness is your righteousness. You, you are with me, encouraged to the max, right? As a man, we need to encourage our children, encourage our home. And that means to love them in the way that they know that no matter what, you have identified them as yours. There's no disowning going on here for lack of performance. I love you. You're my child. And encourage your children. Encourage your home. Uh, A father should be a helper. So that's the role that I think I find myself in mentoring is young men without identity, without a father, they need great help. They're self-destructing because they're seeking to find out why and they're angry about the answers society is giving them. And they don't understand manhood. They don't know what it means to have, uh, have someone call them son. It's a man. And, I'm, and, and this is not to be offensive, but there's a huge difference than a mom looking at a boy and going, you're my son, and a dad looking at a boy and going, you're my son. There's a difference. In just men and women, girls and boys, the father's words go deep on that subject. It is identity. Fathers, we must speak to that, and we must be a help to our children And in mentoring, you're going to run into people in your life that need you to help them. Maybe your kids are grown. You're not done being a father. You're just not. Uh, You've been given manhood for a reason. And manhood is passed from a man to a boy. It is. That's just the way God made it. And so you're not done. And there is somebody in your life that God has put in your path that needs you to speak in the terms of being a teacher and a leader an encourager, being a, a, a helper, being 
a protector. They, they need to know, and they need to know that it's because of Christ in you that you have the ability to speak to them in this way and to be accountable to them in this way. Uh, as a father, it is important that we are motivated to be dependable and accountable. Dependable and accountable. And, that you know, it's, it's a heavy weight. Maybe that's why there's been an abandoning of fatherhood because it is a heavy weight if it's lived out the way it's given to us. But it's important that we understand that in being a helper, that we can provide things for our children, but then also helping them in ways. uh, When we were early married and times were tough and I was working a job that didn't pay a lot and, you know, we had three kids and so... Every now and again, you'd have that expense that just is outside the budget. And, and my mom and dad had always told us, you know, we're, we're here to help. We can help. We can help. Thing. Give us a call. We can help. So there were times during our marriage, you know, we'd have a thing come up like tires on the car. Okay, that's not in the budget. I guess we're not driving. But, you know, call and mom said, well, yeah, yeah, we can help put tires on the car. No problem. And we went along, and there was a time, I don't know how long we've been married. There was a time that, because I was the baby, my mom would answer my call anytime. And uh, it's the truth, and I, and I knew that, right? And so I had gotten sort of a habit of when things were a little bit tight, I just call mom. We need a little margin. And I'll never forget the time we went home to the farm and to visit, and Dad said, hey, hop in the truck. Let's go check the farm. And we get across the place, and he stops the truck, and he says, hey, don't call your mom anymore. You got a problem? You call me. It's time for you to stand on your own two feet and figure that out. He was helping me. He was speaking into my life, son, it's time to take that next step. You've got to move on in this deal. You can't stay in that spot of needing like you need right now. Move on to that next one. He, my father has spoken into my life when it comes to discipline in my, ch- in my children. He has spoken into my life when it comes to management of money. He's, he has helped me. And then there comes a time as a father we become a friend. This is a hard movement for me because I, I feel like at 55 I've gained some wisdom. I wish I had this knowledge I have now back when I was 30 and could have done a better job of being a father. And I was expressing this to my oldest the other day, you know, that I really want to be a friend, but I have all this stuff I really want to tell you. <laughs> I want to bless you. And, uh, but the, the truth is, is that what God has said, you know, he said, no, I call you friend now because everything the Father has Given to me, I have now given to you. But there comes a time as a father that you now give yourself to your children in that friendship manner of all this stuff God has taught you and the way, the faith walk you have walked as a man. You can now share that with them and it strengthens them to walk their faith walk. And you can be their friend. You're not responsible to mold them now as a friend Friends walk with us. They listen to us. They encourage us. They're available to us when we have needs. But they're no longer trying to control us. That's, and, and it is true. That is one of my failings is I'm a control freak. Uh, but, you know, I gave my kids the freedom to say, hey, Dad, you're not in control of this. And so that's good. But we have to let go and be a friend because that's a role of a father and a parent, a mother too. 
is to move into friendship with our kids and give ourselves away to them. Everything that we've learned, everything we know, everything the Father has given us to give to them. It is, uh, you should, as a follower of Christ, understand your Heavenly Father loves you, that you should be believing that He will answer your prayers. What, what prayer does God answer? Is there anything in His will? What glorifies God? What is in we know His written word that He says, this is who, this is who I am, this is what I want. You can pray those prayers. He answers them. Uh, I, I will tell you, uh, it's not funny. It's, it's simple, I guess. So a few weeks ago, I think it was like three weeks ago, I was sitting over there. I, I love coming to church. My sinuses have been going nuts. And I'm sitting there, and all the singing had gone on, and I love to sing. I'm glad the music's loud. You don't hear me. So, But then we sat down, and it's time for the preaching, and Jonathan gets it to preach, and that thing starts happening where that tickle in the back of your throat where you go, <coughs> and then you hear about another two minutes, it's, <coughs> and you know it's going to be like, you, you, I'm not going to be gross, but you know you're going to have to fix that somehow. But I'm, I'm not small, and to get up off the front row and to walk around the back, I'm a distraction, and if I'm going to sit there and cough, I'm a distraction. And I don't want to be a distraction to the gospel being delivered because somebody here this morning needs everything that's being said. All of us do. But I don't want to distract. Enemy doesn't get to use me. I said this prayer. I would tell you, I said, God, please fix this sinus issue I got going on because I do not want to be a distraction to your word being preached. And my sinuses didn't drip another drop during service, and that's the truth. But why would God answer that prayer? Because it glorifies him. Because he wants his word preached. He wants us to be obedient and not, and not we, to be honoring of him. He is our father, right? And that's a very simple thing, I know. But God answers prayers. And we, and, and we should be able to believe that God will answer our prayers. As a child, our father loves us and he hears us. You should also believe that he loves you and that his heart is for you. And here's where I believe I know that my dad loves me no matter what. I hope my children know that I love them no matter what. Poor choices and all, I love them. May not can walk their road forever with them like that if they choose really, really poorly, but I love them and I want them to know that. I, I know that God's heart is for me. But see, as humans, we see our weaknesses and our failings and we judge ourselves really, really harshly. And then we believe that there's only a certain amount of love God can probably have for us. Like, well, I know he loves me, like he saved me. But I also know who I am, and I'm pretty sure he's really disappointed in me. That's not true. God loves you. Above all things, he loves you. Across all things, he loves you. He loves you. He loves me. He's my father. I, I, don't, I don't doubt that one second, and I know I'm a failed man in so many ways, but God loves me, and the moment I'm obedient, the moment I surrender to him, he makes use of me and he validates why I'm here and he does for all of us. He loves us. So as a father, we need to have that relationship with our heavenly father. Um, God's fatherhood is perfect. You can trust God because he cannot make a mistake. And we can trust him even when we don't understand. And I know that that's the part 
that causes us when we're by ourselves to have the most questions. It's because there's times we don't understand stuff. Why? What good is that? I see no benefit, God, in any of this. But he loves you. And you can trust him. He will not leave you or forsake you. And he is sovereign. The fatherhood of God is perfect. Even if your earthly father was a disappointment, when you step to Jesus, you're adopted. You know, that's one of the precepts of Scripture is adoption. We've been adopted into the family. And I know this to be true. I've never adopted anybody. I've had friends that were adopted. They would tell you, it takes more love to adopt someone than it does to birth someone. I don't know. That makes sense to me. Because sometimes births happen. Adoption is intentional. We have been intentionally. God made it. We're his children. We're adopted. That is a very good thing, and we can trust him. Psalms 27.10 says, Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. It is true. And I know there are stories where people feel abandoned. I had a young man come to the men's breakfast yesterday, and I've been working with him since he was 14. He's 21 now. I sent a little text out to all the, I send it out to all the boys all the time. Some respond, some don't. He responded, said, I'll be there, Mr. White. He shows up, and he's on corrections, and he needs some work time. And His father left him when he was 11. It didn't, didn't leave town, just left him. Just lived around the corner with a new family. Didn't have room for him anymore. And his mother's an addict. And she couldn't keep a house and she couldn't keep a place. And he and his brother showed up one day and there was no home. And so he ran away for a year. I chased him and tried to find him, tried to help him for a year. He came back around. And he's out there at the ranch and we're working yesterday after we had breakfast and all the men's stuff. And he said, uh, you know, Mr. White, I really like coming out here. It feels good out here. Not good because, you know what feels good out there? Because God is loving on that young man, and he doesn't even know it. And he, he is because God loves us. It's, there is something about being obedient that is so rewarding, but it's not without struggle. And I will tell you that we'd like things to get fixed quick. I'm a microwave guy myself. Like, can we get in three minutes and be done? That's not how God works. There is a commitment we have to make to people around us. You make it to your family first, and it is for life. But there are people who need us to walk a road with them. It may take years. But to love them and be available and love them and be available because God is loving them. And there's going to come a moment in their life when they go, wow, man, I need that. And I'm a coach. When we score touchdowns, I lose my mind because it's winning. And I'm telling you, being a follower of Christ, when somebody says, yes, I need Jesus, I just want to scream and holler and blow the horn because it's better than a touchdown by far. It's somebody understand they have eternal life now forever, and they're loved. When you're loved, fear disappears, and we need fear to disappear. Our society is struggling with fear. They need Jesus Christ and his love. So fatherhood 
Accepting of fatherhood is a big deal. Living fatherhood out is awesome. In the Bible, the blessing is everything. So, the firstborn received the blessing from the father. And, they, and it, was, it was desired. It was wanted. I want the blessing. So much so that, you know, Isaac tricked Esau out of the blessing. Right? And the, the blessing matters. Speaking over our children matters. And it's a, it's a covenantal transfer of identity, of blessing your child. You know, I don't know what you've been able to do with your kids, and if you still have your kids accessible to you, I would encourage you as a father to pray over speaking a blessing to your kids. It, it's, it's amazingly transforming to hear your father speak a blessing over you because it's speaking of the intent for goodness. It's the passing on of everything God has given you to them. Uh, in Ephesians 1, 3, there's a blessing here for all believers. It says, blessed be the God, Father, our Lord, Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We've been blessed. As a man, you may not have ever heard those words from a father. You might not have ever been told how much you're loved how much you're worth. As we get to the end today of the service, I would like to speak a blessing over over you, men and women. But men, this is a, a blessing from Scripture. I want you to hear it coming from your heavenly Father. His intent, all good gifts come down from our Father in heaven. And His intent is to bless us. So, as we're coming to a close here, I want to read this to you and just hear this from God. From this day forward, may God's hand of goodness rest on your life. May you experience His love, His forgiveness, His power, His provision for everything that you touch, your wife, your children, your work. May His hand of goodness cover you because you're underneath His covenant. May you walk now in victory and not in defeat. In Jesus' name, amen. The world says, show us God. The disciples said, show us the Father. And Jesus said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. See, this has been passed through us. Godly men change the world because through us, our family gets a glimpse of the Father. Our children get introduced to the Father. And the world around us is impacted because through us, God pours himself through us out into this world. So I just encourage you today, take up that role and responsibility. And it ain't over till it's over. It's never too late to be obedient to God. Let's worship now.